Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. I'm going to read Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 real fast before we start leadership this morning. And uh, anyway, we'll get there. Glory to God. And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which a father has put in his own authority. You hear that? It's not for us to know times and seasons. For the father has put it in his own authority. Now, there's, some, there's, a, there's a word that's coming next in, in 1.8 that, that sets us all apart. So we have our lives, we have all of these things. What do we always want to know, though? The times and the seasons. We don't like being lost. We don't like... We, we find ourselves in confusion at this point. Right here, we're looking at it, and it says... It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. This is his authority, not our authority. Then we hit this next word. We go to verse 8. It says, but, whoa, so in spite of these things, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So he knows the times and seasons, but you receive the power. So then he tells him to go and wait. And, you know, it has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the other end of the ends of the earth. And so we know that they, they go from this place to the upper room. And so, just with that setting, we'll pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you know the times and the seasons of our lives. We thank you that you planned them out, that you purposed us, that you established us, that you're building us into an edifice unto your glory. We thank you, Lord, that we can look inside ourselves and see you and be inspired to be greater. That we can look inside ourselves and see that there's even more because you've planned more for us. We thank you, Lord, that you have placed within us the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is not to be stagnant, it is not to be contained, it is not to be just held on to, not to just be paraded around, but Lord God, it is to be Release And Father, continue to show us this day how we are to release the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and to those around us. Lord, that we will become what you called us to, which was leaders in Samaria and Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the earth. Wherever we go, Lord God, that we can show forth the manifestation of the kingdom that we live in. We thank you, Father, for that opportunity. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so, we see that's where we'll be going today. We'll be going to this place today as we start to go into this of where you'll find that there was a release of power into your life from God. 
And so uh, now I'll go back. I'll, I'll grab a little bit of. Uh, not really. I don't. I don't want to review too much here. Um, I did happen to skip one great statement last time. In uh, well, you know what? I'm gonna read. You don't know, but whatever. We're, I'm gonna grab my. Uh, I want. Nobody knows. Anyway. I'm going to go to the very beginning. I've had it wrote in here multiple times, but we can get this. Okay. I'm going to find out where I put it. Anybody know what ministering spiritual realities looks like as far as my title? Oh, glory to God. Manifesting spiritual realities. We will look into... The unseen spiritual world, or we're going to be able to look into moving the unseen spiritual world into our physical one, to reveal the thinness of the veil that supposedly separates these two. God has revealed in his word keys to the door that hold the treasures of heaven. We will look at the key that started it all, Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father. We believed and confessed His finished work on the cross, and in so doing, submitted ourselves to a new master. Our primary scripture, of course, is 1 Corinthians 11.3, which we haven't read here in the last week or so. And, and, uh, but we will enjoy beginning to manifest the supernatural power of Christ in our everyday lives. And what is the Holy Spirit but an everyday manifestation of the power of Christ in our lives? And so I wanted to, okay, now I'm going to jump back in here. We were talking about um, in Matthew uh, chapters 5 through 8, we saw that this was the knowledge, the knowledge part, the acquisition, the, the teaching of Jesus on what authority and power look like. The delegate authority is delegated power. We saw that Jesus was delegating power and what that looked like in those chapters, and we learned the knowledge of it. And then we got started to get into chapters uh, 8, 9, and 10, and we started to see that everything he did was a release, and it says we never saw somebody who had, they marveled at his works, they saw this great power being released. He never he he was doing things as one having authority and and who is this that can command wind and waves and and all this stuff. It was awe inspiring. And and we see this progression of knowledge turning into wisdom. Proven wisdom. And then in verse or chapter 10, we now start to transition from the place of knowing about it, to a place of seeing it, to now, because that was Jesus. He's our teacher. Our teacher taught us the ways in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. He showed us the ways afterwards. And now in chapter 10, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, I'll get here. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power. I taught you about it. I showed you how to do it. Now I'm releasing it to you. And so we see this 
these five chapters here, how they start to move. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So this is an interesting thing. We, we, we got into this part a little bit before we had to close last week. And, and then we see in Matthew 10, verse 5, and this is a commissioning. So what is a commissioning? How is, we know that authority is delegated power. We know that authority has to be delegated in a public setting. Or nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about it. That's why, we, that's why we look at baptism for ourselves as water baptism as a public statement of a personal thing. We know that you can go and, and privately get your driver's license, but then you're, you can pull it out and show it to everybody and make a public statement everywhere you go. And so even though it seemed kind of private, there was more than just you involved when you got your driver's license, right? Or do you go take your own picture? Because then the government probably wants to know who you are if you were making this yourself. Okay? False ID. Um, but uh, so what we do is we now can go around and we, we've had an authority given to us. So let's look here at this commissioning, this public statement right now in Matthew 10, verse 5. It says, The 12, G, the 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, did he change his mind later? Oh. Leaders can change their mind later. Parents can change their mind later. Okay? Just, just helping some people out. Some of us think that once we said it, we established it, and now it's a foundational truth for the rest of our lives. And that's why, you know, some women never get past, what, 35? Is that what it is? Um, never mind. Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, back to the word. Verse 7, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We have to go back a little bit to what we did last week. Who qualified you for service in the kingdom of God? Who in and of themselves qualified for the broken body that was shed? Which one of us said that we were good enough by our own works, that we could take this on. None of us. So freely we received it. So freely we give it. And so, <coughs> excuse me. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs. For a worker is worthy of his food. Wow. At least he put the word worker in there instead of saying, for everybody is worthy of their food. Just, <laughs> right? Well, I'm doing it for Jesus. You're working for Jesus? No, I, he's going to take care of me. I'm just, I'm just getting into heaven. Punched a ticket. Um, anyway. 
Verse 11, now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy. Whoa. That's a work that we don't always do. Who is worthy? Who's worthy? Who's worthy? See, we, get, we got Christian ideas that are running all over because we, everybody, right? I mean, just whoever, first one that comes along, that's the one that we take. Oh, no, the one with the nicest house would be the one that we take. Oh, no, wherever we, that they, we start naturally looking at their provision or their whatever, but the one that is worthy according to Christ's standards. So that's how Jesus looks at a widow and watches her two mites go in and says she gave all she has. She gave more than anybody. Her value was not in the value of our natural things, but they're from the kingdom of heaven. So her value was derived out of everything that she was in her heart. Okay. And when you go into a house, into a household, verse 12, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not, so if maybe it wasn't worthy, maybe you messed up, it wasn't worthy. Because you went into it, you greeted it, right? Then you found out, oh, oops, I made a mistake. There's opportunities for mistakes within the word of God. Glory. Anyway, so you made a mistake. And you, but if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Oh, and that shalom, that peace is phenomenal peace, because that, that touches everything. That's peace of mind, that's peace of body, that's peace of relationship, that's peace of finance, that's peace that is all-consuming. It is who God is, the all-in-all-one. That peace is what's being released at this point. And if you're going to pull that back, I mean, you can walk into a place and release peace to them, and their children can become more peaceful, their Private, their relationships can, their finances can calm down, their mind can calm down. They can start experiencing healing and wholeness on all levels that God touches, spirit, soul, and body. That is shalom, peace of God. When we want to greet someone, you know, and shalom, that's not just like, hey, how you doing? It's a lot more than that. Let your peace set upon them. And whoever will not receive you, verse 14, nor your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And so, we see that there was a commissioning and they were sent out. Jesus told them what to do and how to do it. And this is all good. So, now let's, that's your delegation. We went from knowledge in those first chapters to application or wisdom of Jesus in the next few chapters of, of seven, uh, 7, 8, 9, 8, 9, 10. And 10, we start the delegation. The, the, this is your, you have now been delegated with authority and now you're going to go. Now, why are we delegated? You're going to love this. Everybody got their seatbelt on, right? Verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. 
Some people have problems with this because they think peace, peace, peace. And I know about people that cry out peace, peace. Um, but they, they want to be as harmless as doves all the time. No, you're supposed to be wise as serpents. It's in your dealings that you're harmless as doves. I've told people this. I said, you know, in your business, in your finances, it, within these things, you should be very shrewd. It's a, it should be a compliment. I'll be, I, I'm going to use a derogatory statement here, but a compliment to be called a Jew in that regard. You Jewed me down. What'd you do? Well, in a regard, I, I got the most for the least. And you know what God did? He got the most out of the least. He demand, he'll call those things up and, and, and show a multiplication. He'll show an investment where he will take something at the lowest point. When you buy a good investment, you would buy low and sell high. And so God's done that with each and every one of us. I don't care who you think you are. He thinks you're more. And so we see here that we are going to be um, wise as serpents and harmless as doves in all of our relationships. Verse 17, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake. Well, isn't that where you want to be anyway? Before governors and kings? Isn't, I thought that this was for prestige and for honor. How'd you get there? Uh, they came up against me, and I'm here like in more of a judgment role. Yeah. You still made it there. Okay, we'll just keep reading here. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. And then it gets a little bit dicier. Now brother will deliver a brother to death, and father his child, and child will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And to you will be and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. I have never been hated by all as of this point, so I'm failing in this regard. Don't know if this is the one I'm supposed to be putting on the bucket list um, as far as things I want to do, but um, you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures, whoa, that is a word of faithfulness. Through faith and patience, they obtain the promises of God. So when we see the word endurance, we know this person is faithful. He who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, stick around and see if you can get more. No, flee to another. Why are you being persecuted though? Because we back up to verse 18 there. It says, you are a testimony to them. Remember, it's not because of our selfish desires. We're going to get into some of these things here about authority. Okay. We are on authority. Um, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not 
have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough that for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, where is it? Why? when did Jesus talk to you in the dark? Your closet. Hmm. When you're alone in your private. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. I know some of us are trying to fool him, but, you know, I'm <laughs> just what? Did he number the colored hairs differently? I mean, just, just how it is. Uh, yeah. But do not fear, therefore, you are more, of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. And whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Ooh. That fear of man thing. That fear of man thing is very strong. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Authority. Why is a sword given to government? For authority. Authority has a sword so that it can be used. Parents are supposed to discipline their children. Now, I tried it once with a belt and I failed miserably because I squealed so bad. Um, I still remember this. We were out of my element. We were down in, uh, at, at Walt Disneyland in California. And so there was no spoons around or anything like that. So when I went to do this punishment, I took off my belt. I mean, I had been spanked with a belt when I was a child. So obviously I know how to do this. And I asked my kids, because I never have forced any of our children when we spank any of them, they always must go and present themselves for their sacrifice. Um, and so it's booty out and hands down, anyway, wherever they are going. And, uh, and so this time, I'm like, well, with a belt, I'll just say, I'm on the bed. I'm saying, Let, lay over the leg. So they laid over, and this happens to be my eldest, so this was, you know, yesterday. Um, Anyway, and I, he lays over, and he is smaller than, well, no, he probably was Aiden's size at that point. And I, a belt is just way too much material to use on something so small. Um, and so when I swung, because it's time, I go like this, and it wraps around his little booty and goes, smack, I'm wearing shorts. And, and that end goes, smack. 
And I'm like, ah! The pain of whipping your inner thigh with a strap of leather is, is something that is not, oh, this is not pleasing to the flesh. And I did say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Oh, I know it did. And I still remember this mark, though, that had, oh, and I did. I got that end whip welt right there. Oh, glory to God. But we were given a sword, a measure of authority to be used for discipline. That will happen. And so Jesus said, do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Has this happened since you followed Christ? Yes. Yes. It happened. It happened. It vexes us. It hurts us because we desire those things. But it's happened. Now, how many of you got a testimony coming past that of redemption? Glory to God. Same here. We got to see them as we endured, faithfully endured, and stood upon the promises of God. We got to see them come into the kingdom. So glory. Verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. We have to look and judge our heart. It's the word of God that divides soul and spirit. What you're feeling from what you desire. Oh man, we're going to get into some of this here too. Glory. Um, and he who does not take his cross. Leadership is sacrifice. You, had, you have authority. It was delegated power to you. And you will have to take up a cross to use it. Man, the Lord's really going to get into some of this. Glory. Um, verse 39. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives me, and he who receives me, he who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Oh, the cookie. He put a blessing at the end again, just every time, just boop, right there. Got a little bit tough. Thank you, Jesus, for digging us out. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So we see that the crucible, the hot pot, that time is coming. You were delegated. You received this. But what happens in leadership? The first thing that's going to happen is you're going to find yourself, not the first thing, but a thing that will happen is that you're going to find yourself in the hot seat. You're going to have to be doing things that you thought, this was great. I got power. I got power. I've been endued with power. Public declaration of power. And then... The crucible comes, and those from the outside that don't care about where you got your power are now coming up to you and challenging you. 
So do you know the power that you have received? Because it overcomes the world. And so we've received an authority. We have delegated power upon us. And so, <coughs> I'm going to read this little thing from uh, John McMillan. It's a uh, authority of the believer. It's just a, a little, it says, if we are walking in the spirit, our normal life is in the heavenlies. To secure the consciousness of this, there must be the daily acceptance of the fact. Father, thank you that you've called me, delegated authority upon me. I thank you that I can become conscious and aware of what you've placed within me, that I might use it for your purposes. Let us morning by morning, as one of our first acts of worship, take our seat with Christ and return thanks to God for all that it implies. Let us often remind ourselves that we are seated far above all the powers of the air and that they are in subjection to us. As our Father learns to use, or wait, as our faith learns to use the name and authority of Jesus, we shall find the spiritual forces yielding obedience in a way that surprises us. Do they have any chance of standing up against the authority of God in Christ Jesus? No. As we continue to abide closely in Him, our prayers for the advancement of the kingdom will become less and less the uttering of petitions and will increasingly manifest the exercise of a spiritual authority that binds the forces of darkness. I continue to bring out things about mankind when we keep talking, but we don't wrestle against mankind. I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. When I go to discipline one of my children, it's not the flesh and the blood that I'm after. I'm after the spiritual pressure that's upon them from the backside. I want to train them to hear the ears of the master so that that is who they hear. And another they will not follow. They know the voice of the shepherd. It doesn't ma- it's not my voice, it's his voice that they need to know. And so we need to understand that we're fighting a spiritual battle at all times. That's a reality that we're supposed to be living out of. And we also saw that gratitude is one of the greatest things in this. I, I, we were discussing a little bit on the way in today with the family. I mean, where does God abide? In the praises of his people. So, When we start to express gratitude, we invite the presence of God in. And so when we're thankful, now back to that box of expectations that I ended with last week. We were talking about this box of of, uh, dreams and ideas and all these things that people have. And they, they want to, they have all these dreams that they just want to do. I mean, they're good dreams. There's nothing wrong with them. You know, if you want to, I just dream that I can take my family on a vacation every year. 
that I want to, you know, uh, whatever. Whatever you want to do. It's hard for men because men are like, uh. And women are like, I'll tell you what the dreams are. Uh, I'm just, it's true. I'm, I'm just, the guy's like, uh. Did you say I could sit on the couch and watch football? That would be great for an hour or two. What are you going to do after that? Nap? No, I don't know. I just, but anyway. Um, but we get this box of expectations and all these things. And they're good expectations. You know? Now, this is the thing. So everybody would say this. Everybody will say this. When, when you're in this young love and all these things and everybody's going together, you're... You're, you're guarding yourself, you're walking carefully, and you're doing all these things. But as you get older, if you would be honest with yourself beforehand, every single one of us will say something like this. And, and I, I love it because I got to see it, and I got to do some marriage counseling with a, some different people that I got to perform their weddings. Um, and in the course of that, getting to see people that have been married multiple times versus people that have been married the first time, and seeing some of these things, this box of expectations changes. And I love it um, because this, this box of expectations, one of them who had ran, ran through infidelity in one of their marriages says, all I care about is that they'll never leave. That was it. They can do anything they want to me. I do not care. Just don't leave me. And we see some of these people breaking down their boxes. But this is the thing. Every one of these people will say, if you treat me like that, I'm out. Box of expectations. You will not talk to me in that tone. You will not address me as such. You will not. And these are dreams. Some of them are things that they want to, they look at and idolize, if we would somebody else's marriage or somebody else's, and they want that, and they believe this is how they got there. And others they look at, and they said, this is what destroyed them, so we're not going to do this. But they create all these dreams and desires, and they shove them in a box, and then they shove them in somebody else's face. Because it will come to the place, because hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so we have all these hopes and when we go to shove these hopes on somebody, all they feel is responsibility. I can't talk to them like that. I, it's how I really felt. I thought I was being honest and transparent, but they said I'm supposed to box it all up. I'm not supposed to let it out because that's how they were taught. Or the opposite's true. I thought I was supposed to put everything out on the, you know, so that I'm always transparent. And, and do you see how two different boxes start to collide? And so we have these these expectations that all start to fall on somebody. And the thing is, is when somebody doesn't do these things, like we started to use the analogy of Valentine's Day, um, did you buy them a flower? So you bought them a flower for Valentine's Day, but because they expected it, there's no gratitude. They're not thankful anymore. Because if you didn't buy them for them, you went below the line, you are now substandard, right? And when you bought it for them, you got back to zero. So you're still worth nothing. And it feels like it. Mm. But if you expect nothing, and they give you flowers, it's worth something. 
And so I found, this is fun, um, John came up to me afterwards, and he's been divorced twice. He's not in here right now, but he told me this, and I know. He's been divorced twice and been remarried. He's on his third marriage, but that's fine. There's different things. And he goes, I'm going to tell you something is what he said. He goes, you didn't get there. He goes, the answer is to expect nothing and be thankful for everything. He goes, I learned. I'm so happy now with my marriage now because we don't expect anything out of each other. We're just thankful for what we got. And he goes, and it's not how I've lived before. And I don't understand. And he goes, but, but I'm so happy now because I expect nothing and I'm thankful for everything. Christ didn't expect you to earn or deserve. And he provided for you. But you will be called names. You will be persecuted. You will be that thing that you said, I will not be called. I will, are you, I am not going to, I know one gentleman that said that, um, he, he remembers when everything got poor, 80, is the 80s, it was a recessional time at this point, and he had to take on a job at uh uh, the, at the human waste plant, and that's what he's shoveling, manually laboring, shoveling human waste and excrement to move some things from a pump. And he says that that was the most demeaning thing he's ever done, but it put food on the table for his family, and he never, he hates it. Are you willing to do the most demeaning, nasty thing for your father and for the people that you serve as a leader? Your sacrifice will speak volumes more than your words. And I know somebody that left me a perfect example. He opened not his mouth. Moses opened his mouth. Lord, these people you gave me. You know, we got, we know that other people, we guilty. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm out of this, okay? But Jesus opened not his mouth as a lamb before its shears are silent. Silent. And he lost all of his dignity. He was stripped of his clothing. He was brutalized and tortured. Spit in his face called names not us true authority sacrifices and so we see that the only way to get outside of the box of expectations is to level it we're going to live in this house. We're going to have this car. We're going to do these things. Are you leveling expectations against God? You're supposed to be healing me. You said you'd take care of me. Oh. We slid the box that we created of all the promises and shoved him in his face and we don't have gratitude and thankfulness that causes an intimacy a time where he would be coming close to us 
because our praise allows him to dwell with us. So we enter into his courts with thanksgiving, right? We, we find ourselves in those places. We, 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 if we're thankful, he just comes in. We have intimate times. But when we're not thankful, our intimacy wanes and we find ourselves accusing God and pointing fingers at him. And is he strong to save? Is he mighty and powerful? Did we even have a need when the all-sufficient one is there? So, our emphasis must be on relationship, not rules. If, it becomes a, uh, if, if our emphasis becomes rules, rebellion is near. Rebellion is near. But if our emphasis is relationship, intimacy can develop. And intimacy is the true desire of every believer. And so, I, I won't get into these. I, I, we got some authority fails here. Maybe I'll just wrap it all up next week in that regard. Um, because we're not going to get through some authority fails and some, uh, some things here that Jesus taught us about authority and personal needs and desires. We'll get into that next week. And so we'll just, we'll just stop right here and we'll pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, that you did not demand anything out of us but to receive what was freely given. Father, we thank you that you called us. And Lord, you delegated authority upon us. For your spirit is within us. We thank you, Father, that we have been endued with power from on high. I thank you, Lord, that, that we have the opportunity to cast out all spiritual wickedness. We thank you, Father, because that's where our battle lies, is within those heavenly realms. And Father, we know that you have overcome all these things. Father, we thank you that we will not be caught up in an eye problem of ourselves, but Lord, we'll be, we'll be lost in a love walk with you. We thank you that you are revealing yourself to us day by day. Father, more and more of your love, the height, the width, the depth, the breadth of it. Lord God, let us plunge into it and run all around and try to find the end of an immeasurable thing. Father, we thank you that you have shown us a perfect example in Jesus Christ. Lord, may our eyes be opened to continue to see what you've given us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.